you, Angela. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Everybody saying Shabbat Shalom. Sabbath peace. Good Shabbos. Good Saturday. We'll take any of them. Just as long as you got a smile on your face because we get to rest today. We get to come together in fellowship. You know, uh, the one thing that uh, we often take for granted are the little things in our life. But right now, across the globe, there's a lot of people who do not have the ability to come together, who do not have the ability to openly study the Word of God, who do not have the ability to have fellowship, who do not have those, those elements. And so we are blessed people to have a place to come. We are blessed to have the kiddos here. Uh, we definitely need to keep... Um, a lot of the families with kiddos in your prayers. Uh, it's my understanding that there is a stomach bug that's been going around the school system this week. Uh, I know uh, Ann and Isaac's daughter was was down with it. Both of my kids, or two of my kids were down with it this week. And so I hear it's kind of making its rounds, uh, which stinks because we finally start to have like 70 and 80 degree temperature days. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, here's the flu. So, uh, but hopefully it'll all go away and uh, we'll be able to rejoice with all the new life of, uh, of what's growing outside with the flowers and the buds. So real quick, we're going to go through some announcements for you. For those of you who are new uh, to HFF, we are a family fr a fellowship, which means that um, the kids are welcome. Young adults are welcome. Everything we do is, is meant to um, be like a home. So uh, we try not to be too formalized in what we do. Uh, we want you to be welcome here. We want your kids to be welcome here. We want you to be a part of this family and first and foremost. So we don't have memberships. I've never been a part of a family that has a membership. Hopefully I'll never be a part of any other family that I'm in right now. But last time I checked, there was no membership fees. There was no membership signups. So we don't have membership signups. Um, none of our, our staff here uh, collects any salaries. That all goes back into the community uh, to a lot of the outreach. We put a heavy emphasis on outreach and stuff. So, um, Welcome, if it's your first time here. I uh, want to let you know about Oneg after service. Oneg is a shared meal, if you're not familiar with that. We want you to stay. We want you to stay. We want you to fellowship. Uh, we want you to be a part of it. That's one of the greatest aspects of our Sabbath gathering is that we get a chance to actually fellowship and meet one another, pray for one another, hang out, and just get to know each other on a personal level. And so uh, we just ask you to stay and join us for Oneg uh, after service. Even if you didn't bring anything to eat, that's fine. Stay and join us. Um, Shavuot is coming up. The Feast of Pentecost is coming up the end of May. Lion and Lamb Ministries is hosting a, a event down at NCED. And uh, at, towards the end of service, after service, I have a special announcement for all the local people of HFF. And since the broadcast is running, we're not going to do that. Otherwise, I definitely will be in serious trouble with Lion and Land Ministries. But after the, after the service, I will make the announcement because we do have a special thing going on for our HFF family since we will not have services that Shabbat. Uh, Feast of Tabernacles uh, coming up in September and October. There is already well over 400 people registered for that in Chandler. If you plan on attending please go register. If you need financial help to attend, please let us know. There is no reason why finances should ever keep you from joining us for a feast gathering. So if you, if you know of someone who needs help, if you need help, come see us. Come see the leadership. Part of the reason why we have the storehouse of funds is so that we can help people keep the feast. And so please come see us. If you need help keeping a different feast or a different location, come see us. This isn't just like, oh, well, we're just funneling money into lion and lamb. We want you to keep the feast. If for whatever reason you cannot attend a feast gathering someplace that you want, come see us. Let us help you go. 
please let us help you go. Um, we have our new youth ga- gathering that's been meeting for about a month at Mike and Melissa Ophel's house. That is every Thursday night. Um, I hear it has been a ton of fun for the youth, and I hear it's been a ton of fun for Mike and Melissa. And so every Thursday night, join them at their house right here and more. And if you've got teenagers in that and you're going to drop them off, just hop on over to the Frickers household, and uh, they're going to be doing their uh, small group over there. So, uh, and by the way, I just found something new about the Frickers this week. They like Indian food. So... We happen to be eating at the uh, the same restaurant, and so it was nice to get to see you guys yesterday. Men's prayer breakfast is May 6th here in Norman, and the ladies' prayer gathering is April 29th at the Frickers home. All this information is in the bulletin. Uh, just want to remind you that those are out there. Grab that. We also have the single ladies' small group hosted by the Thornboroughs. We have the married couples group, which I believe meets tonight. Is that correct, at the Judah household? Is it tonight? So tonight, we have the married couples group that's meeting at Ephraim in Lauren's house, hosted by uh, James and Orpha Foster. Um, we also have the uh, inductive Bible study uh, that meets with the Drews and the Drochers over at the Drews household, and that is next week, correct? Next Saturday. Um, and so that is next Saturday evening, uh, the 5th. So when we go ahead, stand up. If you see somebody you haven't met before, let's say Shabbat Shalom, introduce yourself, and we're going to get ready to start the service off with prayer, praise, and worship.
said hello to one another. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and let's start this day off honoring Him. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this wonderful day You've blessed us with. We thank You for the weather that You've given us that is beautiful. The sun is shining. It's nice and warm. We might actually see a little bit of spring. We thank You, Father, for that and how uh, we're able to freely gather here today to worship and to honor you in all that we do. And Father, there are uh, so many things to thank you for. And we, we, we could spend all day long thanking you for all the things you've blessed us with. But at the same time, Father, we are also finding ourselves in need. And we come to you as a gracious Father and we ask that you would meet these needs. Father, we lift up to you, Rosemary, and Patrick, and we ask that you would continue to be their strength and their, their counsel and their guide. May they find their joy in you. May they discover a, a, a renewed joy in you, even through the trials that they are going through, even through the challenges that they face. We pray, Father, that you would be their strength and their hope during this time. Father, we also lift up uh, Daniel McCurley to you and his job situation. Father, you know that he is uh, struggling with trying to be the provider of his household and that he is trying to find employment and that you haven't opened that door yet. So we're believing that you will open that door for him, that he will be able to be the provider for his household as he leans upon you, the great provider. Father, we ask that you would be with Carol Rectors as this morning she is uh, having symptoms again of being uh, uh, dizzy with the vertigo and uh, it's, it's debilitating for her. We pray that you would be with her even right now, that you would take this away, that you would help her to, to be restored to full health and that they would find out what is going on so that it would be able to be addressed. Lord, we, we thank you for your faithfulness. And we thank you for hearing our prayers in regards to this young boy, this infant in Tennessee, David Hood, who last night was having seizures and is having issues with, with his health. And those of us that got the report late last night have been in prayer for him and thank you for answering those prayers and allowing those seizures to stop around 2 a.m. so that he could get some rest. Father, we ask that you would be an encouragement to his parents, to the family that is gathered there around him. May you begin to heal and move within his body so that that little, little young man would be able to come home and lead a normal life. Father, we are so thankful for all the ways that you have blessed us. And we know that as a faithful and loving Father that you will move quickly to answer these prayers. So we present them before you. We lay them at your feet, knowing that you are compassionate. You are gracious and you are kind. Your loving kindness endures forever. And it is because of that loving kindness that goodness, that kindness, that compassion, that we praise you and we glorify you and we worship you here today.
Samuel slain, who descended to heaven and never more will reign. At the end of the age, with the earth you reclaim, you will gather the nations before you. In the eyes of all men will be fixed on the Lamb that was crucified. With wisdom and mercy and justice you reign at your Father's side. And the angels cry, Hail the Lamb who was slain for the world. The Father has told us, for these you have died, for the nations will gather before you. In the ears of all men need to hear of the Lamb that was crucified, who descended to hell, yet was raised up to reign at his Father's side. And the angels cried,
that you are deserved in those situations. Because, Father, there was really no rhyme or reason according to the doctors of why his body was not reacting properly to the treatments and why he was spiraling into these states of seizing. And we only had one more hope. And that hope was you. Father, I just want to publicly thank you today for keeping that hope alive in each and every one of us. For showing yourself mighty on our behalf. For continuously revealing yourself to your people. When man thought that they had silenced you, When man thought the day had finished, you rose from the grave and conquered death. Blessed be your name. Hidden glory in creation. 
I believe that you gave your son that we may have life. That we may learn how to love our neighbor as ourselves, And how to show our love of you to one another. And that is a cornerstone of my faith. Built on nothing 
song we fall down we lay our crowns but how profound father that we still carry around our crowns with our jewels may we lay them at your feet father may we lay all of our self-worth at your feet for it is through you through the rebirthing that we have the rebirth through the blood of Messiah that we can come and sit with you that we can come and praise you that we can come and study your word Father, you are holy and there is none like you. And we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise in this place. For it's in the name of Yeshua we humbly come before you. Amen and amen. Messiah alone is the cornerstone. That cornerstone that was rejected that same cornerstone that it says one of two things happens we either fall upon it and we are broken or it falls upon us and we are crushed that cornerstone the foundation of our faith it's all about Yeshua and what he's done for us can I get an amen about that all right. Now, along those lines, of course, he 
has betrothed us to him. And, and we await that time when, as we just sang, that he comes back with this blast of the trumpet. And we stand before him clothed in his righteousness. In the meantime, he's asked us, his bride, something very specific. He says, do not do as they do in the land in which you are dwelling. Do not do as they do in the land to which you might find yourself. This is the Daniel version. The place I'm bringing you, don't follow their laws. Do my right rulings and guard my laws to walk in them. I am Adonai your Elohim and you shall guard my laws and my right rulings which a man does and lives by them. He then goes on to say, Be holy, for I, Adonai, your Elohim, am holy. Now this is not just an ethereal concept. This requires a, a, an action. We can't just think, okay, I'm holy. That's not the way it works. He then goes on and gives us an entire list of ways to keep ourselves holy keep ourselves from becoming profaned by the world, which is the context within which he makes that statement. Don't be like those who are around you. Be different. Be holy. Be separated. And then he repeats and says, And you shall be holy to me, for I, Adonai, am holy and have separated you from the, all peoples to be mine. So the reason why he has asked us to be holy is because we are his. And he requires a pure bride. But here's the thing. How do we become holy? Well, holiness is not something that's gained by praying nonstop. Holiness isn't something that's gained by reading scripture all day long. Holiness isn't something that's gained by attending a service. Holiness is maintained and matured by walking out his instructions. The Torah doesn't say, thou shalt not watch movies. But if we are asking the question, what would Yeshua watch? Then it might help to guide us in what we should be allowing into our eye gate. It should give us some discernment on what we should be allowing our mind to dwell upon. The Torah doesn't say, Thou shalt not read romance novels or the gossip magazines at the checkout at the grocery store. But if we are walking in His ways of holiness, we should have a pretty good concept that that's not something that's probably keeping us holy. The whole point is that if we're walking in his ways and we are following his instruction to keep ourselves holy, then our mind should be on something else and not these things. As Paul would say, we should take every thought captive and bring it into submission to him. Why? Because the, the illustration here is a bride. If we are on our wedding day, and we go out and we take that pristine dress that has been saved for this special occasion. 
And we go out and we roll in the mud and we play some soccer and, and we slide into third base. That's not what that dress was designed for. Because that dress is a special, separated, holy garment. And at the same time, we are to be holy for Him. And so when we do so, we should guard carefully what we are allowing to come into our lives. And what we are allowing our thoughts to dwell on. And what we spend all of our energy on. So let's covenant together today to be holy. Because he's asked us to be. And to strive today to pursue those things that he himself would pursue. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction we find within it. We thank you for challenging us to be holy, even as you are holy. And yet you didn't set us up for failure. You didn't give us an imperative command knowing we would fail. But instead, you said, this is how to be holy. Walk in my ways. Keep my paths. And you came and you told us and instructed us that your paths are easy. And your way is light. Because it is with the joy of a bride about to greet her husband that we pursue this path of holiness and that we keep ourselves unstained by the world. So Father, help us to strive in those endeavors to keep ourselves pure and holy in your sight. That we might stand before you on that day when you come riding on the clouds with the blast of the trumpet. And may we be clothed in the righteousness of that cornerstone of our faith. In the name of the Son, Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Now let's have the kids come up for the blessing. Even before I got the words out. <laughs> he was ready to go this morning when he got out of bed, is what you said. Yeah. <laughs> can wait. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this Shabbat and thank you for every single one of these children. Thank you for the blessing of their life. And thank you so much for the ways in which we can learn from them. Um, Father, your word says that when, this, when the kingdom is manifested, that the lion and the lamb shall lie down together, and the child shall put its hand in the viper's pit and not be harmed. Father, we just pray that these, these things would become true in our midst, and may we take the responsibility of bringing about these things as we pray for your kingdom to come. Father, I pray that throughout the week that these children's faces would come to our mind in our prayer lives and that we would, we would remember to lift them up daily because of the responsibility that we have 
to lead them to you. I pray a special blessing over each one of them this day. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. Please join with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings that you give to us in this place here at HFF. We thank you for all of these things that you give to us here each and every week. We thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Children are dismissed to their classes if they aren't already on their way. I want to start by reading a psalm. I'm going to read Psalm 145, a psalm, a song about God's majesty and love. <clears throat> I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who come, who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all my flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, is worthy of our worship, our praise, our adoration, in all things, in everything that he does. Worship is that thing in which we extol him, we exalt him, we uplift him above all other things. We honor him, we revere him, we praise him, giving him all adoration, all of our attention. He is worthy of that worship at all times. He's God, he's king, he's glorious in all of his works. But for many of us, at many times, that's not enough. We don't do it all the time. We, don't, we forget. 
We get caught up in other things. Sometimes other things draw our attention. Other things are worthy of our attention. Worthy of our praise. Which is true. We, have, we, we all have lives and live and we have friends. We have family members and we, do the, and we fellowship with one another. And many of our brethren and many of our friends are together because we all have a common belief in the almighty creator. That's why we're all here in this place. That's why all of our friends, if you have friends here in the auditorium, that's why we're here together. It's because of him. But there's sometimes we just don't give all the praise. We're distracted. We don't give him all of the glory that he deserves. Why? Why do we not recognize that? I want to look at exactly, I've already described what worship is, but I want to understand what makes him worthy of that worship. We can list all of the things of the scripture. We can list all of the great things that he is. He's king. He's God. But what makes him worthy of your worship personally? Personally. Why do you give attention to to anything? Any person, anyone. Because there's other praises and there's other things. And we go and we see our family members, we see our friends. And sometimes there's other reasons to praise them, to compliment them. Why? Why do we do those things? I want to look at what makes anything worthy of our attention. Anything that makes it worthy or that is worthy of our praise. So that then we can recognize and understand why God, the almighty creator of heaven and earth, is the supreme majesty and is worthy of all of our praise beyond anything else. We have to learn what's worthy to give praise at even amongst our friends and family members. Kindness that we have to have from one another to one another. Understanding that, understanding our relationships with one another. I've said this many times here from this stage about our relationship with God and our relationship with fellow brethren and how if we can't figure out one, then the other one suffers. If we can't understand what it is to be a brother, to be a friend to our fellow brother, then how can we ever love and be a friend to our God? Those things work hand in hand. He's glorious. He's he's majestic and all these things. But again, what to you personally makes something worthy of praise? For many of us, and really this is the, the nature of it, is that we give attention and we give praise to something that impacts us personally. Personally. We all have our lives, we all have experiences that we've seen, and everything has changed, and there's things that impact your life, and you will say to your friends, and you'll share with people, you'll give praise to something that impacts your life. The Hebrew word for glory is kavod. The root of that is kavod, which means heaviness. Heaviness. So that which is glorious, now we're talking about God again, that which is glorious is about what is heavy. And what is heavy is its ability to impact what is beneath it. The impact that God has had on this world has changed this world. It makes all of the people of his kingdom, of his dominion, of his creation, he has impacted us. What has he done for you personally, in your lives? You can go back to stories in your mind. 
of times in which you felt like the Lord made an impact on your life, where he intervened in something, in some scenario that you found yourself in. You can also think back and you can go back to other people. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's a good friend. And you can think and remember things and impacts that they had on your life as well. We need to learn how to prioritize these things and understand what makes something worthy of any praise or adoration or even our attention in all of these things. We have to prioritize these things to understand that so that we learn and know that God is worthy of all praise, all glory, all of our worship. We have things like ideas, entertainment as well, things that we do for fun. I believe it's good for us to sometimes watch a movie, just like Daniel was saying in the first five. It says, scripture says we can't watch a movie. And sometimes we need to take a break. Sometimes we need to take a breather. We need to do something fun. Read a book. Relax. Those things help us. They relax us. They make us feel, feel good. And then sometimes we'll go to a friend and we'll say, hey, you should check out this book. Or you should, oh, I just saw this movie. Oh, the movie was great. And so we give praise to this book or this movie or an idea and we share that with one another. Now that level of praise, that level of, of speaking positively about something, I don't believe there's anything wrong with that. But the reason why we say it to one another is because of the impact that it had on us. For something that's as simple as entertainment, we had fun. We enjoyed it. We laughed. We cried. Thought it was a great movie. But again, it's not worthy of all praise, all glory and honor. Of course not. And I think we do an okay job with that. Then there's things like food. Let's talk about food. Food does a great thing for us. Keeps us fed, keeps us alive. We have to eat. Three square a day is usually what we try to shoot for. Food is a very good thing. You can't live without food over a long period of time. And sometimes we will eat something and it'll be so good. I bet that Indian food was really good over at the restaurant there. You sit there, you have a really good meal, and you sit back, and then you praise the chef, you praise the food. It was amazing. That food did something good for you. You thought it worthy of praise, so you gave it some praise. Food is great. But food, is, and like all good things in this world, too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. You can't make food your God. You can't idolize food and worship it and eat it every chance you get and try to eat everything that you can. You become a glutton. Too much food, as time will go on, will kill you. Clog up your arteries. If you watch any TLC shows, you see the damage that that can do. Food is a wonderful thing, but we're not supposed to give all praise to that. You ever heard a friend who just started a new diet and then they can't stop talking about that diet? And they're like, oh, it's so good, like this, it's all, I did this, and then I lost like three pounds, whatever. They're so excited about that diet because it did good for them. So they thought it worthy to mention. Let's talk about ourselves. You personally, your own personal self-esteem, you yourself. What have you done for yourself? Now, I've 
said many times over, we have a very distorted view of, of ourselves and we, a lot, many of us struggle with self-esteem issues. We don't find ourselves worthy of any attention or praise or we're not worthy of any of these things. Some people have too high of a self-esteem and they think that they're big, hot shot, high and mighty and they're just a normal guy. And so we don't necessarily assess that value, but correctly, we don't assess it. However, there's still something that for ourselves, we do have to have a healthy level of esteem for ourselves. A praise for yourself. Have confidence that if you're good at something, you, it's okay to, that you're good at something. Praise yourself and say, I, I'm, I'm really good at that. I should do that again. I should do that again. So that you get better at it. Now, again, like I said, you can't praise yourself too much. You can't make a religion of yourself and look at yourself in the mirror like a Greek god all bronzed up and people who are gym rats and are always in the gym. You can see, you can see certain people that have a very unhealthy exaltation of themselves. If you don't see them regularly, you can at least picture it. Praise. You, yourself, at some point in time, you're worthy of some form of praise, even coming from yourself. Job well done. What about others? Other people? Somebody that's impacted your life in the past. Your parents. They raised you. They, they, they fed you when you were a baby. Changed your poopy diapers. Did all of those things. Your, your parents are worthy of a great deal of honor. And the scripture says exactly that. To honor your father and your mother. And you look at them and the, and the impact that they had on your life. And as you grow and as you mature and as you then left their house, there's still a value, there's still an honor, there's still a, a, a level of praise that one should say back to their parents for what they did as they grew up. But as you grow, you then, you meet friends. Maybe you find somebody, you fall in love, you find a spouse. Now the spouse, maybe you haven't known them as long as you've known your parents, but you're supposed to cleave to them to leave your parents' house and cleave to them. Why? Has that spouse at that point in time done the same level of things for you that your parents have done? Not to that point. However, what you do is you look into the future and you look to what they will do for you. What they will do for you, what they do for you today in the present, and what they will do for you supersedes what maybe something has happened to you in the past. Your parents are still worthy of a level of praise, but you are to cleave to your spouse. You are to love them, cherish them, praise them. Psalm or Proverbs 31, where it says the husband and the children are to praise the mother of the house. To rise up and bless them. That's because what they do for you in your, in your life will supersede and go further on into the future. An unknown amount of time as well, I might say. So we should give praise to that as well. Now, as we've moved up the ladder a little bit, there's other things that you can fit in in various places. Now we get to God, the creator of heaven and earth. Your parents might have birthed you, but if you believe in God, you believe he was the one that gave you life, that he's the one who breathed life into you from the beginning of your consciousness. 
And as you lived and grew, he sustained you by every word that proceeded out of his mouth, every breath that you've ever taken in your life. It's because God created the air and the oxygen here. He created the food and the creation for us to eat. Without him, none of those things are possible. And if you look to the future, he's here, he was there with you when you were born, he's there with you today, and he will be with you into the future as well. And he will be with you, with your children and your children's children, long after you're gone. His value and his worth continues well beyond what you can even imagine and fathom for you and your life. He saved us. That value of life that we see, we don't even, you almost don't realize it or recognize it until maybe somebody at some point, or maybe you witnessed this, that somebody laid down their life for somebody else. You then owe your life to them. That's exactly what he did. I read a very interesting article this week. Many of you people might know this about me. And I'm, I'm gonna, I might get myself in trouble, hopefully I don't. That I am a comic book fan. I'm a superhero fan. Grew up reading comic books, love comic books, all the new movies and things like that. And I read an article this week. I don't buy comics as much as I used to. I've tried to prioritize other things in my life and, and move some of those things back. But I found something really interesting about a new story that was in, the com in comics recently. Now this is a fictional story. This is a, a fictional story about superheroes and, and all these things. And again, this falls under the entertainment category as far as I'm concerned. But for some people, it goes a little beyond that. But it's interesting when you can see ideas and concepts, spiritual truths that exist in the world still make their way into fiction. That sometimes writers even convey some of those concepts and things. So there was a story in, in comic books recently where there are, you know, there, there is a group of people that are considered to be gods. Gods among people and are worthy of, of, of worship because they're so and supremely powerful. But a superhero walks among those people and sees selfishness, sees bitterness, sees anger, sees, sees nothing worth worshiping. An enemy shows up and says, these are not gods, they're merely men, they're not worthy of worship, but he's the bad guy. So initially, you don't want to listen to that guy that's saying that all these people that they think they're worthy of worship, he's saying they're not. And so it's like, well, well no, surely they're, they're all powerful, right? Well, as you look and observe these supremely be supreme beings, they're selfish. They have no love for anyone else or anything like that. And so then the hero realizes as time goes on, that you're right. The bad guy was right when he said they're not worthy of anything. They're not worthy of any exaltation. They might be powerful, but, but their heart is, is bitter and angry and selfish. And they're not worthy of any praise or exaltation. Only as superhero stories go, then, you know, another bad guy shows up. And then another hero, the fight is so bad, the hero, has to, the hero dies saving everybody. He dies. And then you look at this person here and you're like, this person laid down their life for somebody else. And that makes them worthy of praise and exaltation. So that idea, that concept makes its way into fiction, makes its way into some of these stories. 
So that then somebody reading this, maybe hopefully as they read it, they can maybe get the, it can grasp their attention and understand there is no greater love than one that would lay down their life for another. And that when somebody has done that for somebody else, then they are most definitely worthy of praise. It's a good thing for us that somebody has done that for us. That's, go ahead and check that off on the list of all the other reasons why God is worthy of our praise and our worship. He is worthy beyond all other things. Beyond everything from the entertainment to food to even our parents and friends and family and our spouses, we still are to praise him and worship him beyond all other things. How do we worship him? How do we do it? How do we give that praise to him? Can we worship from afar? Can we be away from, separate from kind of where he is or where you at least sense that he is? In our Torah cycle, in all of our Torah teachings that we do, especially as we're going through Leviticus and we're talking about the offerings that the priests made to the tabernacle and God put his presence in the camp, the whole idea of worshiping God was to go to where he is. I told you a few weeks ago that it's like, would you have been the guy that all these commandments about how to bring an offering to God, would you have be the guy sitting in your tent that never brought an offering? That just sat there. You see the pillar in the camp. God is great. Yeah, we let him out of Egypt. But then it's like, do, is that person really worshiping God if they're not going to his presence to bring him an offering? Let me put it this way. Let's, let's make another little worldly scenario here for you. Let's say you're sitting in a restaurant with your buddy. And then you see at a table down on the other side of the restaurant, you see a superstar. You see your favorite basketball player, uh, sports star, or you see a movie star that you really like. And you see them. And you're sitting there, it's like, dude, did you see that person? See who it is? It's awesome. And then, one, and then, and then your buddy across the, the table, he's like, oh my gosh, I want to go shake his hand. I want to go get his autograph. I'm going to go take a picture with him. And then you're sitting there and then you're like, no, no, no that, that's fine. Let's just let him do this or whatever kind of thing. No, 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 no I, I got to do it. And so then he, you know, he up and leaves the table and he goes and talks to him, embarrasses himself. And you put your head down. And you're like, what are you doing? That's because that person is coming closer to them, coming nearer to them because of the level of praise that they have for them. You understand? That person gets up and that person has a higher praise for that superstar having, trying to have dinner with his family than you do because you don't feel the need to get up and go and shake his hand and then never going to wash it and get an autograph and everything that you, somebody might do in that scenario. Because that person has a higher praise. We have to come near to him if we worship him. That's why many of us come to fellowship, come to congregation. That's why there are commandments for holy convocations to fellowship with one another because he says, I will be there at this time. So we go to the appointed time, whether it's the Sabbath or it's Yom Teruah or it's Sukkot or any of the other holidays, and we go to where he said he would be if we worship him. We can't do it from afar. We have to come to his presence. That's why anybody comes to church or congregation, ever. 
is because they feel like the presence of God is there. So they want to draw near to it. So that's one thing that we have to do in the course of our worship. We have to draw near to him, wherever he may be. Can we also worship without putting any extra energy or movement or motion in our body? Can we really, you know, show all honor and praise to him if we just sort of sit there? I guarantee if you were to come into the presence of a king, a monarchy that has a protocol that you come and you bow before the king when you enter into the presence of the king, I guarantee you when you get there, you will muster up the energy to bend your knee and squat down and torque your hips to bow before the king. We have to put that sort of effort and motion and energy from our body into that praise of him. One of the biggest things we have to do, we have to open our lips and we have to speak. We have to speak his praises. We have to extol him with our words. Something that I thought was really interesting, here's a, here's a theory that's been rolling around in my brain for a couple of weeks. This is the first time I've said anything like this publicly and I'm still fleshing out the whole theory on this. So when we breathe, <clears throat> we breathe oxygen generally. Yes, there's more than gases in, than that in our atmosphere. But generally when you breathe, you breathe oxygen, which you know the molecule of oxygen is O2. Anybody who's ever done any scuba diving knows you need a full tank of O2 if you're going to breathe. Every time that we breathe air from God that, we, that he created, the breath of God, his rock, it goes into our body. It's circulated through our blood and through our body. And then when we breathe out, what comes out? Carbon dioxide, CO2. Carbon gets added to that breath. Why is that? Well, we are physical carbon-based life forms. We came from the dust of the earth. And so then when we breathe in O2, the breath of God, and come in, and then when we breathe out, there's a part of us, the physical carbon-based part of us, leaves our body when we breathe out. Guess what? That part, that CO2, leaves our body every time you speak as well. Whenever you speak something... You are almost, you, scientifically, chemically, you are releasing a part of you away from you that can then end up somewhere else. Feeds other natural life forms, organisms, trees, they, they process that. But anytime somebody has ever heard anything you've ever said, you have spit out carbon dioxide, a bit of carbon from your body toward in their direction every time you've ever said anything. A part of you. This is the same thing that God commanded when we were to bring an offering in the tabernacle. It was to be an offering of you. If you read the, the literal words in the first verses of Leviticus. If any man wants to bring an offering of you, may him, let him bring it. That you, when you, every offering that you gave was to be a part of you that you gave as an offering. That's why you laid your hands upon the offering when it was sacrificed, before it was sacrificed was that you were imparting a part of you upon it. And you were to speak. And that's what happens every time we speak or say something. Anything that has ever been said to you that has impacted your life. That's because somebody gave a part of themselves and spoke it. 
And then you, you absorbed that. So you have to give of yourself. But you have to speak or that doesn't happen. Let's do a little exercise here. In this room right here, we can look around the room. Our brains are amazing, by the way. This, it actually freaks me out every time I realize when I've been doing this for a long period of time. You can sit there completely quietly and, and close your mouth and you can have an entire conversation in your brain. You can speak sentences. You can think what the other person's going to say and then what you're going to say after they say that. And you can have entire sentences inside your brain without a single word coming out of your mouth. Isn't that, isn't that really weird if you think about it? It's really amazing that way. All right, so let's do this. All right, close your mouth, keep your mouth closed or whatever, and look around the room. Find somebody in, in, in the room or whatever. Somebody, and you recognize something that you like about that person. Maybe you don't know them that well, but you want to give them some praise. You want to say you like the way they dress, or you love the way that they carry themselves. Maybe you see a mom or a dad, and you say, you know what, every time I've seen that person, uh, they're really good with their kids, and I just think that person's a really great mom. Have that sentence, like, you don't have to look at the person, we don't want to do that, but you don't have to, you know, who's looking at me and who's thinking about me right now. But you can literally have that conversation in your head without speaking and give praise to that person and you can just say it. Now in your own brain, you can say whatever you want and you're not worried about any consequences or embarrassment or anything like that, but you can, you can say all of those things in your head. Now do it with another person. Look at somebody else. Don't just look at the spouse, but somebody else across the room. That it's like, I could say something nice about them. Or, I mean, I don't know that person. Hey, nice to meet you. I've never, what's your name again? Or I didn't know. You can have that whole conversation in your brain, but you're not actually doing it. Wouldn't it be better? It's good vibes in this room right now, right? Wouldn't it be better to actually hear that? That good thing that somebody might be thinking about you? Wouldn't you love to actually hear that? That would be amazing. If everybody just, you know, if, if everything that was thought in this room was actually walked over and spoken and conveyed to everybody there. How happy would we be leaving congregation this week, right? How good would that feel? The thing is this. What stops us from doing that? It's awkward. It's uh, all, all, all these things. I, I don't know if I want to. The thing is this. Everything that you just said about or thought about that person. They deserve to hear it. If you want to go up to another mom and compliment them and say, hey, I think they're a really great mom. Do you know how much work that mom puts into looking like a good mom in public? Or somebody that carries themselves well. Maybe they're dressed really nice or whatever. They put the work in to do that. They are worthy of that praise, but they don't get it. They don't receive it from the people that might even think it. If we can't figure out how to do that with our fellow brother, how in the world do we figure to do it with our God? That we think about it and we think about how great God is, but we don't do it with our fellow brother. Oh, I'll tell you why. It's, this, is, this might have popped into somebody's head. You didn't want to go up and tell the person something good because, you know, remember that time when they did that one thing and I didn't really like it when they did that? I don't, I, 
I'm still holding that against them. I didn't forgive them for that. So it's like, so, so, so there, anything good that might be worthy of praising them for is, in your mind, negated by something negative that they did. Let me take you to Isaiah chapter 45. Love this passage. Isaiah chapter 43, I'm sorry. Starting at verse 22. This is God speaking to an unfaithful Israel. Somebody, this is God speaking to Israel who, you know, didn't do what he said, didn't do what he liked. You have not called upon me, O Jacob, and you have been weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought me the sheep for your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not caused you to serve with grain offerings, nor wearied you with incense. You have brought me no sweet cane with money. You have not satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. You have not burdened me with the sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and i will remember and i will not remember your sins wow amazing that god he looks at the things and the mistakes that we did and he forgets our transgressions and anything that we ever did wrong can we do that Can you turn and look at somebody or think about somebody? And can you just immediately forget anything wrong that they ever did? No, we struggle with that. Now, it does say this in Scripture. It says that, well, you might say, well, it's because they haven't repented for the mistake that they made. Fair enough. Did they know that they wronged you? Because if you go to Luke chapter 17, verse 3... If somebody ever wrongs you, you're supposed to tell them, rebuke them, tell them they wronged you so that they can repent. So do they even know that they wronged you? This is a whole debate for for, for a whole other time. But the truth of the matter is this. Something negative that somebody did, those are those things are rectified by repentance and forgiveness. But that has nothing to do with something good that they did that they're deserving praise for. Do our, do good deeds, because we did something wrong, do we do so many good deeds to try and blot out the things and the mistakes that we've made and the sins that we've made? I don't think it works that way. The mistakes that we made, we have to make sacrifice. We have to, we have to plead for forgiveness for those things. The good works that we do give us, gives us blessing. Gives us all of those things. So if you ever see somebody or something that is worthy of a praise or an adoration, it doesn't matter what they've done wrong. Now, this is the thing that some people do, and this is kind of a, it's a big struggle for some people. Some people get mad at God. Some people get mad that God did something in your life. And that he, you know, so you question, why did God allow that to happen? In your life. 
So then you sort of withhold your praise of God that week. I'm kind of in a bad mood. I don't feel like going to congregation this week. Has that ever happened? Oops. Because it's not about, well, first of all, God is great. God is supremely powerful. We have no right to question when, some, when God does something. That's one thing. But even if you did, if we're all doing this the right way, we give praise and glory and adoration regardless of what somebody did that might you didn't like. Because they're worthy of praise and adoration, period. Nothing else matters at that point in time. Because of what, who they are, what they did, what they do, they're worthy of that praise. It's a, it's a tough exercise, but if you can do this, imagine this. You have a friend. Maybe you're a little estranged from them because they did something wrong. The last time they came over to, their ho- to your house, they broke a plate. It was one of your favorite plates. It was, it was a one-of-a-kind plate. And so you decide to not invite them over again because they broke your plate. Imagine this. Imagine if you for, could forget that transgression, pardon that sin, that iniquity. It's not even, you, you will remember it no longer. And you walk up to the person and say, hey, you want to come over to my place for dinner tonight? They might be, oh, well, you, I, broke the, I broke the plate that, that you did right there. It's like, oh, I forgave you for that. They don't have to know that you forgave them for it like a day ago because the preacher told you to. But you tell them that you forgave them for that. And then it's like, oh, well, what can we bring? Suddenly you're friends again. Suddenly the fellowship is there. If you can forget the transgressions that they wronged you, what a blessing that would be. These are the things that we have to learn and understand when it comes to... and. Understanding this amongst us, just giving a compliment, being kind, giving a small amount of praise to somebody. If we can't figure out how to do that with our physical brethren in our, in our personal space, then how can we do it with God? This is where the words and what we speak and this is how why to worship him, You have to move your mouth and words have to befall your lips to give him exaltation and to praise him and lift him up. In the same way, you can't give a compliment without opening your mouth to somebody that you like their hair this week. Can't do it. We have to overcome these things. And it's like if we can't learn them amongst ourselves, then how will we ever be a body and be a fellowship that gives the right and proper worship to God who's deserving of all of it, who's worthy of all of our worship and our praise? How do we do it? If we can't figure out how to walk up to somebody and give a compliment to them. Or give a little bit of praise to this. We have to balance all of these things at all of these levels of praise. So that then we have the truest understanding of what makes something or someone worthy of praise. And then we come to the understanding that God, the creator of heaven and earth, is worthy beyond all other things of all of our praise. We have to speak that praise. We have to come near to him where he is in that place. That is how we worship him and we have to 
balance and prioritize what causes us to think that something is worthy of our praise. Go to Psalm 150. It's the last one, right before the book of Proverbs. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Do you have breath? I have breath. Let everything else that has breath praise the Lord. And with every breath, a part of us gives glory and honor to him when those things befall our lips. Amen? Heavenly Father, we come before you on the Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord. We give you all praise and glory and honor in this place, Lord. You are worthy of all of our attention, Lord. Though many other things distract us from time to time, Lord, you are worthy of all of it, Lord. May we remember to speak of your good words, Lord, and not just think about it. May we remember to sing your praises and not just rock and clap in the back of the auditorium. May we always recognize that you are worthy of that worship because what you have done for us, what you do for us each and every day, and what you will do for us in the future, and for laying down your life and giving your son as a sacrifice for us to give us eternal life, Lord. Those things, Lord, you are worthy of all of our praise and our worship. So may we worship you with all of our being and everything that we do, showing reverence and adoration, honor, revering you above all things, praise, glorifying, exalting, and extolling you above all things, Lord. We worship you. We worship your name, Lord. We praise you, Father, for the things you have done. And Father, may we learn to be kind to one another. To speak those words of praise for one another, Lord. For if we cannot learn to love our brother who we can see, how can we learn to love that which we cannot see? So, Father, let us take these things to heart. Let us change for the better, Lord. Let us let compliments and words of kindness befall our lips so that we learn what praise is. Because only if we learn those things, only if we fall into a pattern of how to speak those things, will we know truly what we have to say when we speak of you. So we love you, we bless you, and thank you on this Sabbath day. We thank you, Lord, for this congregation, for every person here, Lord. Please bless our fellowship and our time together, Lord. And please keep everyone safe, Lord, as we go home after this Sabbath. So Father, we love you, we bless you, and thank you for everything that you do. We give you all honor and glory and praise, and we worship your holy name. In Yeshua's name, we pray these things. Amen. If we could all rise, please. <clears throat> and the Lord spoke to Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel." Yivorechecha Adonai 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. Shalom.